If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Attention ditto heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. It is Friday. It is your Friday Rush Hour if you'd like to be part of Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour here on 77 WABC. We are streaming worldwide. You can call from anywhere in the the world, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And of course, plenty of news. Plenty of ev- events have taken place since yesterday. And we didn't get through everything yesterday. We never do. There's too much news for one day, always. Let us start with this. The latest IBD, that would be Investor's Business Daily Tip Poll, We have our own tip poll, by the way, the golden tip poll, and that comes out at least once a month. We expect one out within the next few weeks. But anyway, the economy is already collapsing, majority of Americans believe. Now, this is, I guess, not stunning to many of you since that is such a large sentiment. Only two in ten Americans think that things are on the way up. That is the lowest Confidence rating recorded when analyzing the index monthly reports dating back to January 2021. The nation as a whole concerned about Joe Biden's ability to handle the economy. Even Democrats lack confidence in Joe Biden, only 45%, giving the president a good grade. That is a tumbling decline from this time last year, 80% of Democrats thought he was doing a good job. 20%, only 20% of Americans think that the country isn't already in a recession. And if this is the case already, wait till the news continues to get worse as it is getting There is a story, I'll have to find it in the stack of news stories. Here it is. Tampon and baby formula shortage feels like, quote-unquote, a war on women. This wasn't in a right-wing publication. This was in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. First, Dana Marlowe noticed a drop-off in donations to her nonprofit, which distributes free menstrual products to women and girls. Then came a spike in phone calls and messages, all from people unable to find the products they needed. Marlo scrolled through them as she left her warehouse, stopping to read one out loud. I just bled through my pants and had to run to three different stores to find tampons. The message sent to her organization said, I support girls, the girls. This is absolutely awful. I have no words. 
Now, of course, this story mixes in a price shortage somehow or another with with the upcoming decision on Roe v. Wade. To some women still reeling from the baby formula shortage gripping the nation, it feels like an onslaught. Adding to their exasperation is the looming Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade, a leaked draft heightened expectations that the nationwide right to an abortion established nearly 50 years ago could be in its final days. The ruling is expected soon as the Supreme Court typically goes into recess in late June or early July, and then blah, 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 more on row. Let's get back to Amazon Prime, Washington Post, the, the baby formula shortage, which is still go on, going on, or the tampon shortage. Do you know... According to this third, uh, this story, on Amazon, some boxes of tampons were listed by third-party sellers at prices as high as fifty-nine dollars, sixty bucks, pretty much for a pack of for a box of tampons. Then they jump back into Roe versus Wade, but war on women, baby formula crisis, tampon crisis. America under Joe Biden can't get the products you need. If you can get the products you need, the cost is so ridiculously high because of inflation, which Joe Biden claims he has nothing to do with. Oh, no, no, not me, somebody else. Vlad did this. Vlad Putin did this. Oh, the Ukraine guys did this. Oh, no, all the other countries in the world have inflation. Why are you looking at me, Joe Biden says. Indeed, the buck doesn't stop with Joe, you see. From the Daily Mail today, radical pro-abortion group Jane's Revenge declares open season on pro-life clinics and describes how easy and fun it is to attack them after claiming responsibility for a string of vandalism and arson attacks. They are with glee attacking pro-life people, and the Department of Justice, Joe Biden's Department of Justice, does nothing to defend pro-life people, does nothing to find these domestic terrorists, and that's what they are, and these domestic terrorists on the left, Jane's Revenge, are now bragging about how fun and easy it is to attack pro-life clinics, to set them on fire, to firebomb them. And they continue to say, if abortions aren't safe, neither are you. That's their slogan. So if we can't do what we want, we're going to make sure that we attack you, vandalize you, and our Justice Department sitting on the sidelines. Do you remember the hysteria? Anybody, when we had pro-life people that were demonstrating in front of abortion clinics, why they rush to make laws. You can't do that. You need a buffer zone. Right now, you have leftists openly bragging about how much fun it is to attack pro-life clinics. This Justice Department does absolutely nothing. Princess of Policy Diana Mee comes up shortly. In the meantime, let us turn our attention to another story in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. The White House 
was planning to send gas rebate cards. They know gas prices are high. They know that gas prices are burning a lot of consumers. So senior White House aides have in recent days explored new ideas for responding to high gas prices. They're looking back on plans that they had previously discarded. Something that would show the average person out there that, yeah, they care about you, that they want to address voter frustration about rising costs at the gasoline pump. Now they're taking a second look at whether the federal government could send rebate cards out to millions of drivers, help them pay for their gasoline prices at the station. Rebate, here's some money. Here's some welfare money for you. But, you know, there's a problem. What's the problem? Another Biden shortage. This time, it's the microchip shortage. They don't know if they wanted to do these cards, whether there are enough chips to go in these cards to keep track of the money. And they're also worried that if they start sending out gasoline rebate cards, a significant portion of the American people would spend that money on something other than gasoline. There's no way to make sure that the money would indeed go to help people that are struggling with gasoline prices. They're struggling. There's a lot of pandering going on, my friends. Governor Hochul, the unelected Governor Hochul, has now issued a proclamation for the Juneteenth observance. She says the black liberation flag will be flown over the New York State Capitol and the state landmarks will be illuminated in red, black, and green. (laughs) I'm sorry. (sighs) The pandering never stops with these people. This is supposed to placate the black Can you imagine the meeting that she had? She sits down and has a meeting probably with about 63, 75, you know, white liberals and one or two black tokens in the room and says, what can we do to show people that we care about black people on Juneteenth? (laughs) Someone chimes up. Do you know Governor Hochul what Juneteenth is? Well, no, not exactly, but I'm told I should care about it. Okay. I know. Chimes in somebody, some leftover hippie from the 1960s. Let's fly the black liberation flag. (laughs) And she says, yeah, great idea. That'll make black people feel good. Fly the black liberation flag over the state capitol. So here you are. So here you are in black neighborhoods all over the country. You're worried about stepping out the door because you don't know whether you're going to get shot or not from one of the criminals that's let back on the street by Alvin Bragg and and these progressive DAs. You're worried that if you go to the supermarket, you might get shot up like what happened to Tops in Buffalo. 
you're worried because even if you make it into the supermarket, you can't afford to buy some of the stuff you need and the stuff you really want isn't in there, like the tampons and the baby formula because of the Joe Biden shortage. And then you worry if you come out of the store without the tampons and without (laughs) the baby formula because it's not there. Thank you, Joe Biden shortage. And then you, you have to dodge criminals again to get back to your neighborhood right in time to send your kids to school. But then you have to worry if you send your kids to school, whether they're going to come out of school alive. Then you have to worry that that Fauci and company still are demanding that your little ones have to take more and more boosters, even though we're going to get into that. There's no science to support it at all. And Fauci admitted that. But I know, I know it'll make them Negroes feel good. Let's fly the black liberation flag, huh? Let's do that. (laughs) And they'll just love us. Let's fly the black liberation flag over the New York State Capitol. And all will be well. I tell you, this governor is a piece of work. (laughs) WABC. <laughs> Just, <laughs> oh, these people. WABC Talk Radio 77 is post early's rush hour. We're coming back shortly. Black Liberation flag this afternoon. I mean, where did they even get a Black Liberation flag? What they just have one in the in the in the closet left over from Andrew Cuomo days? These people. Okay. Enough of Governor Hochul. Enough of the pandering Democrats. Let us turn. To the voice of reason, our very own intellectual giantress, the princess of policy, America's princess of policy, Diana Me. Welcome. Uh, Diana, are you flying the uh, black liberation flag over your house this weekend? I don't have one. I feel so left out. I, I, I'm hoping you can send me one. I don't have one. I got to go get one. Nobody else has one either anymore. That was like 1970s. And they got some old hippie up in in Hochul's office. I know. Let's fly the black liberation flag. Hochul looks at him and says, okay, what's that? (laughs) Oh, this is all backfiring on them. They deserve it, too. Really? I mean, good grief. And then let's light up all the buildings in red, black, and green. 
Do you know what that's supposed to stand for, by the way? I see. I, I, aren't they the same colors as the black liberation flag? Yeah, but do you know what it's supposed to stand for? Oh, see, I have not read the symbolism. I'm sorry. Okay, so let me tell you what it stands See, I still have my black card. Despite the okay. fact that liberals want to take it away from me because I'm a conservative, I still have my black card. So the red, black, and green stands for the red blood of the black man, which is the black on the green of this land. That's what it stands for. The red blood of the black man on this land. So now, so now you're hip to black liberation, okay? Oh, I feel better now. Thank you, James. <laughs> you're quite welcome. <laughs> Joe Biden. <laughs> Princess Di. Oh, my goodness. Joe Biden's out running her mouth now. And talking about how divisive the Republicans are, especially when it comes to school. And poor old Jill is wondering whether she's going to get shot up and her students are going to get shot up in her classroom, even though she's guarded by about 16,000 Secret Service men, something that doesn't happen in most schools in this country. Uh, what's going on with Miss, Miss First Lady? Okay, you have got to remember her name is Dr. Jill Biden. You doctor cannot of call what? her. She is a, a doctor of, she has an education degree. And so that is what qualifies her for this story because she was talking about schools and she's school the doctor of, and as a teacher, yes. She's a doctor of trichonology. She's not a doctor, <laughs> a real doctor. Oh, man, she is so upset with Republicans that uh, who are dividing us and claims that, you know, it's not true that parents and teachers are at odds. She's upset because of the misinformation that parents and teachers are not on the same page. Meanwhile, in school board to school board, you have parents fit to be tied Furious coming to the school board meetings and actually reading from the materials that are, are in the library or in the curriculum. And the school boards are saying, Shh, don't read that, that children are here. You can't expose children to this material. Yeah, well, this is the classroom material. So this idea that teachers are on the same page as students or as parents hasn't been looking at TikTok lately. I don't know if you've been watching. Oh, are you teachers. kidding? I look at TikTok every day to oh, see what's going goodness. on. People with, are yes. so weird and sick and, you know, with the piercings and the hair and the talking about, you know, gender bending and they're celebrating the drag thing, which is the main focus of the education world and the left world is to get more drag queens into schools and in front of children. I have no idea why they are landing on this issue, but they are. And they have no idea that maybe 2% of the American public agrees with them, maybe. But this is not going to fly in the midterms. Well, you just mentioned that, in fact, the Miami Herald editorial Board wrote a piece defending drag queen shows for kids. The Miami Herald. And not only that, the esteemed mayor of New York, who promised to get crime under control, who promised to make everything rosy and bright, issued a statement. Diana, let me, Princess Diana, let me me read you this statement from our esteemed mayor. At um, At a time... When our LGBTQ plus 
communities are under increased attack across this country, we must use our education system to educate. The goal is not only for our children to be academically smart, but also emotionally intelligent. Drag storytellers and the libraries and schools that support them are advancing a love of diversity, personal expression, and literacy that is core to what our city embraces. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm telling you. The entire left has landed on this. The, the Michigan Attorney General, Dana Nessel, said the other day, drag queens make everything better. Drag queens are fun. A drag queen for every school. And this is, I guess, supposed to save them in the midterms. Yes, and interestingly enough, this brings me as a good segue to Amaya Flores, the candidate who won in Texas, where a Republican has not represented that district in 100 years. She is the first Mexican-born congressperson, and she flipped Texas 34 in South Texas. She won 51% outright so that she now is the representative. It's filling a seat of someone who resigned. So this just fills out the rest of the term, but she will then have a leg up going forward. And she ran on God and country. Dems cannot compete on that turf at all. She ran on faith, family, and freedom, and she is running explicitly as a Hispanic representative on religious grounds. And that is one of the reasons why Hispanics now give Biden 24% approval. Because this whole stuff with the drag queens and the weirdness, this is not going over with a very traditional American constituency group. And so they are now, this is a political earthquake and a political landslide is in mass The Hispanic vote is going Republican, and the Democrats cannot win if they lose the Hispanic vote. Goodness me. And this is a political earthquake. You know, when, when, when Democrats used to win these special elections, the press used to go goo-goo-gaga. They'd say, oh, this is a bellwether. All oh, this foretells tales of woe for the Republicans. Right. Oh, a tsunami is coming. You don't see any of those stories. They just wanted to get this one in and out of the news as quick as they could. Oh, yeah, yeah, we had uh, that. But don't worry about that. It's just uh, she's just filling in, and uh, she's going to face real competition uh, uh, when we get to the general elections. They just brushed oh, all over right. this one. Although Joy Reid got really mean to her. She had a guest on who called uh, Maya Flores a zombie election denier MAGA candidate. <laughs> and... <laughs> Joy Reid accused her of being part of QAnon. So there was some anger and angst on the left, as there should be. They should be terrified of their electoral prospects, because if they, as looks like, the Hispanic vote is, is moving dramatically toward the Republicans, this is going to be determinative in the midterm. All right. There's an article that was in Politico this week. I want to save it until you join us tomorrow. The failure of compassionate conservatism offers lessons to the Trumpian right. <laughs> okay, good. I'm looking forward to that. All right, but meanwhile, before we leave today, SpaceX. SpaceX has <laughs> announced that workers 
who criticized Elon Musk in an open letter. You're fired. Get out. <laughs> so satisfying. And you know who should be most worried about that? <laughs> All of the Twitter people who were there at the meeting, was it yesterday or the day before? I think it was yesterday when Elon Musk went and sort of had a meeting with his, you know, would-be employees. And there was a Slack conversation, which is a employee-run secret uh conversation group where they trashed him from the time he started speaking until the end. Well, someone leaked the entire thing, complete with everyone's names. So if if Elon Musk is into firing people who diss him, these Twitter people are in deep trouble. This is just so delicious. And there was another um, uh, guy from one of the uh, crypto worlds who offered his woke employees a buyout. And not many of them took it. He said, you know what? You're not going to be happy here. And we want to work. We don't want these distractions from this wokeism. So why don't you take a buyout and leave? And many of them didn't. I think we're starting to see a backlash against all this corporate wokeism. Yes, I agree. And you know who started that and who encouraged it? And Ron DeSantis. Time? Thank you. Exactly. He basically allowed everyone to sort of see, oh, the end does not come. Ron DeSantis stood up to these people and he got them to back down. And so now you're seeing more of it. So thank goodness for courageous pioneers like Ron DeSantis. Princess Di, thank goodness for you. We'll expect you tomorrow bright and early on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. In the meantime, enjoy your Friday night and we'll catch up with you manana. Thank you, Sir James. Talk to you tomorrow. Stevie takes us out. It's Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. We're coming right back after this. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush, Rush. I met her in a club down in North Soho where you drink champagne and it tastes like Coca-Cola. C-O-L-A Cola. W-A-B-C. Talk Radio 77 heading into your weekend. Remember, Catch at Night comes up next right after this show. We, we should head toward the telephones. Christine in Connecticut. Welcome. How are you, Christine? Hi, good afternoon, sir. Uh, what an appropriate song since I came on. Um, you had posted in Twitter about the WPATH, which controls trans health care, which yes. has barriers for me to get surgery. They're allowing mm-hmm. an open um, door for teenagers to get hormone replacement therapy and surgery that's so wrong i don't know what these people are thinking of well christine this is interesting because again you are trans you're a trans woman you you've been there you know it but you also know what it's like to to deal with the after effects of all of this and especially if you and we've talked about this before if you're not mature enough to make these decisions in the first place so what do you think is behind it, Christine? 
it comes back to the um, liberals shoving an agenda down our throats. That's what I could say. You know what's going to happen, sir, if a 14-year-old starts HRT and by the time they've become a senior in high school, they decide they're not gender dysphoric, which I really hope because I don't wish that on anybody. What's going to happen? They're going to develop, um, for the trans girls, going to develop boobs. They're going to be chemically castrated. This is what happened to me. They're not going to be able to produce, they're not going to have sex as a guy when they detransition. And they have to have surgery to remove their boobs from the from the hormones. Let these kids grow up, sir. And 40% of all trans people commit suicide or attempt suicide. And three years ago this month, I was one of them. Why are we letting kids down a road like this so early in life? I don't know. <clears throat> what do you think, Christine, about this move? to have drag queens um, in school as sort of an educational entertainment program in schools across the country. Yeah. Recently, the Miami had a, uh, the my this week, the uh, this Thursday, the Miami Herald editorial board published uh, a piece arguing that if Republicans in Florida are so preoccupied with safeguarding parental rights, then they shouldn't have any issues with parents taking their little children to drag shows. That was something that came up because it was a, a tweet that went viral of some group in, in, in Dallas with little kids at a drag show, and it was their parents that had brought them there. What do you make of all this? I will tell you this. When I was young, my parents took uh, us, my two siblings, and to the Apollo, and among the <clears> – <throat> there was a show, and I forget who the lead act was that night, but the other act was the Jewel Box Review. But there wasn't. It was. It was just called female impersonation then. Oh yeah. And it okay, wasn't. It one? wasn't overtly sexual. It was. They did a show, but they did a show. It was twenty five. Uh, twenty five, I believe. Um, people in the review. One was a woman, and so the idea was you had to figure out who the actual woman oh, was. Okay. But they used to do an entire show. But the emphasis wasn't on sexuality. It was on the show and the fact that. It was they were just amazing female impersonators, but that's not what we are seeing now with these drag performances. Oh, They're no, actually no. emphasizing the sexual aspect of it all. What do you make of all that, Christine? I don't agree with any of that being taught in schools or the drag queen story hours at, at any public school or any public money being invested and used for it. And if any politician or educator wants to think this is a good idea. I would love to tear him a new one about that, sir. Because well, then you wrong. need to tear Mayor Adams a new one because he's out making a statement. Now, this, to me, is just so egregious. In New York City, we still have over 240-some-odd schools that are failing. And that means that in over 240-some-odd schools, many of the children will come out uneducated, unable to take part in American life, unable to read up to a level, unable to do mathematics, even basic. In other words, what kind of life are they headed for without even a decent grade school, secondary, or high school education? They're headed to a life on the streets. It's like we've given up on these kids. So we have all of these kids in New York in these failing schools, and for year after year, decade after decade, Democrats in New York refuse to do anything about it. They refuse to bring these schools up to snuff. And yet we have Mayor Adams out here now defending the idea that drag queens should be in schools when these kids can't even read and write. 
It's egregious. Uh, you know what? Why can't Mary Adams fight crime, put criminals in jail, uh, you know what, and change the curriculum in school so kids actually learn? And how about focusing on re- reestablishing the nuclear family, too? That's all been forgotten. Christine, I'd love hearing from you. Thank you so much for calling. I do appreciate it. And for those of you that don't know, Christine shared her story with us one Saturday. It was just really compelling. And one day, I don't want to make, you know, I don't want people to just get bored with, I want this story, because your story is such an important one. I do want you to tell your story again. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. So in the future, just keep keep listening. We're going to have Christine back again. Now, let's add to that discussion a little bit. Here's a story from Politico today. Blinken, you know who he is? He's our Secretary of State. Blinken says... I press Saudis on LGBTQI issues in every conversation. The Secretary of State warns that the attacks on LGBTQI communities are the canary in the coal mine for broader anti-freedom efforts. Well, I don't know what attacks they're talking about. They keep talking about this attack that's coming in Florida. And Florida was supposedly the don't say gay bill that had nothing to do with not saying gay. It was don't sexualize young children in school. Let their parents determine when they should start engaging in sexual conversations, not school teachers. So Blinken is around now saying that the the last thing we want to do is actually make things worse by going public with the discussions that they have with the Saudi government, for instance, on gay rights and all this. You know, don't we have, look, I am not opposed. Let me be really clear about something. Very 100% clear. I am not opposed to gay people at all having a normal life, living, when I say a normal life, I mean one free of harassment from people. I don't want gay people discriminated against, singled out because they're gay and treated badly. None of that. Lead your life. Have a good life. I'm sort of living, let live. You know what? This really isn't my concern, meaning your sexuality, your marriage is your concern, not mine. I have enough to keep up with matters in my own life. Okay? But I also recognize that there are some people and some governments, for instance, most Muslim countries still have religious beliefs that preclude them from a total embrace like the way we've done in this country. I just wonder whether it is our State Department's, with all the things going on in the United States' interest, I wonder why this seems to be the top issue of our State Department. Right now, we've got glass prices soaring through the roof. I think the conversation with the the Saudis ought to be about production and how we bring oil prices back down rather than trying to beat them over the head. And what happened to this idea that we respect diversity? We have our way of thinking in the United States. Why are we trying to impose the way that we think on everybody else in the world? Who makes that? You know, you used to hear liberals all the time say, the United States, we're not the world's policemen. We're not the world's policemen. 
Well, all of a sudden, why are we the world's policemen when it comes to trying to tell people what attitudes they should have in their own cultures and their own countries? Cannot they decide for themselves what is best, what is in their national interest? Why do they need us to tell them? I'm just asking. And if you want to debate that point with me, I'd be happy to hear your point of view. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not looking at this the right way. And I'd be happy to change my mind if somebody can tell me why I should. Let's quickly go to Adam in Florida. Adam, welcome. You're on WABC, Talk Radio 77. Hi there. How you doing, Bo? Thanks for taking the call. Um, three things. Uh, number one, you were talking about the pro-choice people being, I guess, bullied online. That sounds like a great job for Kamala to handle since she's the new... Um, I don't know yeah. what title they gave her. But she's, <laughs> yeah, she's the new head of the disinformation ministry. Exactly. And I'm sure that'll go over well. Number two, Trump's not going to have to campaign. Biden is doing forum, doing a forum. And number three, I don't know if you saw the article that Biden is um, now seizing Russian oligarchs, yachts, and wants to sell them off to help pay for the war in Ukraine? Yeah, I saw that. I, I don't and understand he yachts. <laughs> and I don't understand for the life of me how this is legal. And again, I'm going to... It's unconstitutional. Right. They're it's not even citizens. They're not even citizens of the United States. And you're seizing their property and then selling it off to someone to, su- to support our national policies? I don't get that. You're right. Thank you, Adam, for your call. Appreciate that so much. We got to head to a break. WABC Talk Radio 77, Bo Snerly's Rush Hour. Remember, Cats at Night comes up next, and we are coming up back right after this. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Rush, Rush. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Tears of a Clown bring us back on WABC Talk Radio. The majority whip, the House majority whip, James Clyburn, Democrat, South Carolina has demanded that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis reverse or explain his decision after Governor DeSantis is the only governor not to order COVID-19 vaccines for children under the age of five. In a letter sent Friday, Clyburn, the chairman of the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Crisis, added he was concerned by DeSantis' public comments that he is opposed to dedicating any state resources to vaccinating young children against COVID-19. Do you know what the death rate is for young children under the age of five for COVID? It is below zero. It's like zero point something. I forgot the number, whether it's nine or eight or seven, whatever it is, zero point. And that's why just Ron DeSantis says, look, there's not going to be any state programs 
that are going to be trying to get COVID jabs to infants and toddlers and newborns. That's not something we think is appropriate. And so that's not where we're going to be utilizing our resources. Well, of course, the left is having a cow. Now, uh, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, you know, Rand Paul has been our program, been on our program a few times. We love him. And he and Fauci mix it up every time Fauci's brought before hearings. Of course, Dr. Fauci has COVID. And here's that, by the way. Children ages 0 to 17, from 0 age to 17, compromise about 0.1 of the deaths from COVID-19, according to the CDC. And Ron and, and Rand Paul gave it to Fauci, not only on this idea of children being vaccinated, but also on the money, following the money. These are fairly long cuts. We have two of them. Let's listen to the first one. Go. Dr. Fauci, the government recommends uh, everybody take a booster over age five. Are you aware of any studies that show reduction in hospitalization or death for children who take a booster? Right now, there's not enough data that has been accumulated, Senator Paul, to indicate that that's the case. The I believe that the recommendation that was made was based on the assumption that if you look at the morbidity and mortality of children within each of the age groups, you know, 0 so, to 5, 5 to 11. Right. So, so, there, so there, there are no studies, and Americans should all know this, there are no studies on children showing a reduction in hospitalization or death with taking a booster. The only studies that were permitted, the only studies that were presented, were antibody studies. So they say, if we give you a booster, you make antibodies. Now, a lot of scientists would question whether or not that's proof of efficacy of a vaccine. If I give you 10, or if I give a patient 10 mRNA vaccines, and they make protein each time, or they make antibody each time, is that proof that we should give 10 boosters, Dr. Fauci? Uh, no, that, I think that is somewhat of an absurd exaggeration. Senator well, that Paul. is the proof that you use. Your committees use that. That's the only proof you have to tell children to take a booster is that they make antibodies. So it's right. not an there absurdity. Are, You're already no. at like five boosters for people. You've had, you know, two or three boosters. It's like, where is the proof? Now, I think there is yeah. probably some indication for older folks that have some risk factors. For younger folks, there's not. But here's the yeah. other thing. There are some risk factors for, for the vaccine. So the risk of myocarditis with a second dose for adolescent boys, 12 to 24, is about 80 in a million. This is both from the CDC and from the Israeli study. It's also in the VAERS study, remarkably similar, for boys, much higher from boys than girls and much higher than the background. The background's about two per million. So there is risk, and there are risks, and you're telling everybody in America just blindly go out there because we made antibodies. So it is not an absurd corollary to say if you have 10. In fact, you probably make antibodies if you get 100 boosters, all right? That's not science. That's conjecture, and we should not be making public policy on it. And that, my friends, is stunning. Now, if you don't follow all that, let me just try to simplify it. There are no studies that indicate that vaccines are good for children, young children. The death rate from young children is below zero. And what Rand Paul was questioning uh, Dr. Fauci on was, look, 
You're saying that if you get jabbed, you produce antibodies. But that's not proof that these things work for children. Let us listen to the second exchange. This is deep. Hit it. So, Senator Paul, if I might respond to that, uh, we just heard in his opening statement, uh, Ranking Member Burr talk about his staff who went to Israel. And if you look at the data from Israel, the boosts, both the third shot boost and the fourth shot boost, was associated with a clear-cut clinical effect, mostly in elderly people, but also as they gathered more data, even in people in the 40s and the 50s. So there is clinical data. But, but not in children. Well, uh, well see, again, here's you, the thing is, you're not willing to be honest with the American people. So, for example, 75% of kids have had the disease. Why is the CDC not including this in the data? You can ask the question. You can do laboratory tests to find out who's had it and who hasn't had the disease. What is the incidence of hospitalization and death for children who have been infected with COVID subsequently going to the hospital or dying? What, what, is, what is the possibility if your kid has had COVID, which is 75% of the country's had COVID, what is the chance that my child's going to the hospital or dying? If you look at the number of deaths in pediatrics, Senator, you can see that there are more deaths of people who have had it, of people who have had the disease. Senator, we also know from other studies that the optimal degree of protection when you get infection is to get vaccinated after infection. And in fact, showing reinfection in the era of Omicron and the sublineages that vaccination. But you can't body. answer the question I asked. The question I ask is how many kids are dying and how many kids are going to the hospital who have already had COVID? The answer may be zero, but you're not even giving us the data because you have so much wanted to protect everybody from all the data because we're not smart enough to look at the data. When you release data earlier, when the CDC released the data, they left out the category of 18 to 49 on whether or not there was a health benefit for, for adults 18 to 49. Why was it left out? When critics finally complained, it was finally included because there was no health benefit from taking a booster between the 18 to 49 and the CDC study. And that, my friend, is Rand Paul basically tearing to shreds Dr. Fauci. Now, how much of that did you see in the newspapers? How much did you see that actually explained that exchange? That right now the government is demanding and Fauci is demanding that children, young children, and you have Jim Clyburn today trying to hit at Governor DeSantis, for not stocking up on va- federal vaccines. By the way, where does the money go from all of that? Who's being paid for these vaccines? Who makes money? Okay, but you have this Democrat whip, Clyburn, trying to beat up DeSantis, and he's not mentioning, neither does Fauci want to admit it, that with even without the vaccines for children, the risk to children dying is 0.1%. One-tenth of one percent of zero kids die. So the conclusion that an average person, I am not a doctor, and I'm not trying to be one, but you can draw the conclusion yourself. If 0.1 of young children die from COVID even when they get it that young, 0.1 Why are we demanding that all of them get vaccinated? Huh?
Something is not making sense here. And Rand Paul is the one exposing it. Look, folks, we have so many calls on hold. I can't do rapid phones right now because the program is ending. However, we will be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Need you to set your alarms tonight. This is a real quick night for me. I get off the show here. I'm up for about two hours, and I go to bed because i got to be up at 3 in the morning to start preparing. So I'm going to invite you to come back at 7 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. Princess Di is going to be with us tomorrow. We're going to cover all these things and all the stories we didn't get to, the January 6th stuff going on. By the way, happy birthday, Paul McCartney, 80 years old. Pretty amazing. Bon Jovi sung to him last night. That was pretty cool. Anyway, James Golden, a.k.a. Boast Nerdly, and we are here every Saturday morning, 7 a.m. So please be here for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza and never miss a minute of the Rush Hour. You can listen live worldwide to 77 WABC. All you have to get is get our WABC app. Go to WABCradio.com, and no matter where you are this summer, if you're traveling, keep WABC with you. We are at the end of our Friday, Boston Early's Rush Hour, but we'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. God, please look after, bless, protect each and every one of you and your families. We'll see you tomorrow, 7 o'clock in the morning, God willing. Hope you're there. We have a lot of fun on Saturdays. You're not going to want to miss it. Remember, catch it night up next. See you later. Bye. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.